It's time to head out on the front porch on KFRM. Grab your favorite drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation on the front porch. On the front porch and joined by a friend of the show and a very busy man that continues to put out incredible stuff. Jeff Littlefield is our guest on the front porch. Uh, We had a chance. It's been a little more than a year ago. It was March of last year. A book had just been released by Jeff uh, Nelson Riddle, uh, the American Songbook, and uh, had a chance to read this. Uh, It was just uh, coming out at that time. I think it was released in February of last year, and it became a bestseller. So first off, Jeff, welcome back, and congratulations on the great success on the story of Nelson Riddle. Oh, thanks very much, uh, Rocky, and thanks for having me on the program. Yes, it, uh, the, the book's gone very well, and Nelson Riddle Music with a Heartbeat, as you said, made a bestseller of ranks in the uh, the Kindle area of um, of Amazon, and uh, has done pretty well, generally speaking, worldwide. In, you know, in other sort of online stores, etc. So, yeah, very pleased with that. Yeah, excellent stuff. And it, the way I understand, uh, there is a uh, opportunity for this to become a feature film. Is that right? Yes, there there is a possibility um, that at the moment we, we we have a couple of projects in development, one of which is a documentary, and I uh, have a quite a few people attached to that. As talking heads, so to speak, uh-huh. and yeah, there are talks with co-producers regarding actually a mini-series. <laughs> um, it was first thought it could be a feature film, um, but after the success of uh, a series called The Offer, um, the, the the latter is the favourite now. So a mini-series, so. So watch this space. Yeah, there, there, there could be both. It could be the documentary. Um, certainly the documentary is the, um, the first project in line uh, and then um, already started writing some of the screenplay for the, for the miniseries. Wow. Uh, I said a busy man when we came on the air, and I, I said that as I promoted uh, this show today as well. Uh, I don't think that sums up what your life is is like jeff i'm I'm just amazed the energy that you bring to so many different projects and i know last week we visited with jeff moore we had intended for you guys to be on the show together it turned out to be a fantastic interview uh with uh, the dea agent that was played by bradley cooper in the mule and he has a book out called the quieter house uh houses which uh, we talked about it at length and his work is an undercover cop in kansas city how did the two of you, he talks so glowingly of you and how much of a mentor and leader you've been in helping him go through this project and, and what still could could come, but how did the two of you get hooked up? Yeah, it's very much um, a mutual respect, actually, um, Rocky. Um, yes, it, it, it transpired that, well, you, you, like you say, I am extremely busy, and I'm pleased to say in a, in a positive way, <laughs> and obviously receive a number of communications regarding many projects. And I received an email this one day from this young man, Jeff Moore, and I think the I think the header was telling me that he was portrayed by 
Bradley Cooper in the in the movie The Mule, which you've you've referred to, uh-huh. and I looked at it with some scepticism to begin with, <laughs> um, obviously because <laughs> you get these things in your inbox. Um, but when I read on and I and I checked it out and I I found out that it was um, was true. Uh, we got together. He he had a screenplay that he was working on. Um, he sought my view on whether that had potential to, to be, you know, hit the screen. And um, it sort of evolved from there, really. Um, we hit it off. I think, you know, it's going to be a chemistry if you're going to be working with somebody and mm-hmm. collaborating. And we certainly had that. Um, we hit it off instantly. And the sort of relationship has evolved from there. And we're collaborating on two or three other projects. Um, initially, Jeff wanted the quiet houses, or the, written the quiet houses, full of the narcs, as a screenplay. Um, we had several discussions with major um, film producers on that, and there is interest. Um, but he also wanted to write the book, which was a first effort for him, mm. which is, we all know, is a gargantuan um task to, to put a book together and get it over the line. But uh, he, he didn't have any trouble with that. It was it was there. It was ready to, to be written. And um, it's been a great success. Yeah, and it, it's a terrific book. I've, I've read it as well. And, and then I've also had a chance to, uh, to dig into a, a new book that you have, uh, about growing up, as we know you're a music fan from uh, Nelson Riddle, Music with a Heartbeat, uh, best-selling book that came out last year, and you're also a huge sports fan, and it's uh, fascinating to me um, the direction you took that in. Uh, last Night When I Was Young is a book about your heroes growing up in sports, and it ranges, it's a huge wide range of different types of sports. Uh, where did the idea for that book come from? Well, it was always there, really, it, you know, in the back of my mind. And in fact, funny enough, I'd started writing that before I started um, the Nelson Middle biography. And the publisher said to me, look, you know, you, you, you've got to get the Nelson Middle book finished. You know, we're looking for that. Um, you'll have to put the other one on the back burner. Uh, and I wasn't too dismayed by that. It, it um, you know, it was yeah, I'd started it. Um, I knew I could come back to it. You know, it's semi-biographical, as you say. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, I, I'd always wanted to sort of put across my early years, um, informative years, up to late teens in how I was influenced by by sports, uh, the sports world. Certainly, there are many, um, obviously, as you, as you'd expect, most of my sporting favourites uh, are UK-based. But but there again, they, they do have an international appeal because, obviously, many of the, uh, many of the uh, individuals and, and the teams had, had played internationally. Your, your family was, your dad was a, a good sportsman and a good athlete, it sounds like, and that, that had to have been a direct 
result of, of why you took up sports. And uh, I know you in the book you, you know, noted that uh, you, you thought you could play anything and everything, and you did, and, and were pretty successful in all reality. But <laughs> talk about growing up in, in, a, in a family where sports was, I mean, it was very important, it, it appears. Yeah, it was very important. Yes, both father and grandfather were were, were pretty good at football. You call it soccer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we call it football, obviously. Um, both were great Chelsea uh, supporters, so it was a natural progression. Um, I don't know if you guys know much about Chelsea Football Club over there. I think we're getting a uh, a much bigger reputation since we've been taken over by Ted, uh, Todd Bowley. Um, who looks after L.A. Dodgers. He's a part owner there. Um, but, yeah, so it's a natural progression that I will be interested in football, in the genes, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I just became interested in, in many, many sports. You know, um, you know, as a, as a young boy, a very young boy, I was dressed up for the, for the Queen's, um, our late Queen, Queen's um, coronation in 1953, being a baby boomer, I was three years of age, mm. and I was dressed up as a famous, famous jockey, the Queen's jockey, Sir Gordon Richards. Can you believe? So I had these <laughs> little red britches on, and uh, yeah, that that got me intru- interested into horse racing. Mm. Um, yeah, purely from a from a viewing perspective, not not a gambling perspective. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating the different uh, sports, and and I will say this for uh, readers uh, that pick up the book, and I I highly suggest it again because you tell it from a perspective that uh, I you I can relate to even if I don't know the sport that well. I guess is what I'm trying to to get across. For instance, football, as we call it, soccer here in America, it is certainly. We know more about it now than we would have a decade ago because it has gotten some steam and, and there's some interest and there's enough out there for people to latch on to uh, that uh, definitely we know more about it than we did. But also I can relate to the fact that you're passionate about a team, whatever the sport might be, but you also give some great history. And I've learned things about some sports that I'm not that into, which is, which is really fun to do. Yeah, as you mentioned that, actually, uh, yeah, I was trying to sort of uh, relay that to the reader and, and also give some social commentary, you know, the period um, when I was growing up, going to school in London. And um, I didn't really much care for school, uh, for school I must admit. I, I was really fixated on, on becoming a professional sportsman, be it a cricketer, footballer. I even had designs to be uh, a jockey uh, at one stage, but then then I outgrew that idea because uh, I, became, I became far too tall to be a flat race or, or, or a national jockey. But yeah, I, I was, um, yeah, I also became very knowledgeable because of these range of sports that I was interested in. I became very knowledgeable. I was almost a walking, talking. Sports in encyclopedia uh, at the um, you know my in my early teens, mm. uh, and I mentioned in the book that I was lucky enough to go onto a BBC um, radio program called Junior Sporting Chance. So that was that was a great experience that 
15, 14 years of age. Yeah, well, yeah, for certain, and and also uh, had an article published at uh, at a very young age as well, and so you were dabbling in uh, in sports work very early on. Jeff, I want to get a break in while we have the chance and uh, come back, and I want to talk more about the book, more uh, specifics for the reader to know what sports are are involved in the different athletes that you grew up uh, wanting to be a part of or wanting to follow. We'll talk all about that and much more as we continue our conversation with Jeff Littlefield. Again, our guest today on the front porch is Jeff Littlefield, an author, a film producer, director. I said he was a busy man, and I am not joking about that. Uh, but we were digging into the new book uh, that you have out last night when I was young, Sporting Favorites of Mine. Uh, a bestseller as well, and it's a look into uh, lots of different sports as we were talking before going to break. I will tell you up front, Jeff, that I navigated quickly to Peter Alice because um, I'm a huge golf fan just in general. And to give uh, readers an idea, future readers of this book, an idea how special it was to read about Peter Alice because I got it from a perspective of the Peter Alice that I didn't know. Now, I know the history of Peter Alice, but I knew him as the the jovial, wisecracking commentator my whole life. And to see him talked about in the manner he was as a pure athlete early on was really fun for me. So there is great history that you're sharing, as you mentioned, both the time periods, where you're at, and a different perspective on athletes. Um, Peter Alice is one of a kind, though. Oh, certainly. Um, yeah, we've certainly um, got something in common there, Rocky, because I'm an avid golfer as well. That's the, that's the sport I play these days, as I've, I've got um, sort of on in years. <laughs> and, um, yeah, try to get out on the golf course at least once or twice a month just to break off. But, yeah, Peter Alice, yeah, you, uh, may, many fans in, in the U.S., uh, for sure, because he used to do... ABC, I think, and right. maybe even CBS. Uh, I'm not sure, but certainly um, for a number of years he was commentating in the U.S. and obviously over here as well for BBC. But I remember him. Uh, why he was a sporting favourite of mine was from my early days growing up. Um, he was the top British golfer at the time. I think he won about 20 or 30 tournaments in all um he actually tired quite early to to follow that television career he wasn't finished in terms of uh of playing golf but i think mentally he was finished with the game um he had a few issues there in terms of you know he sort of fell out of love with uh with professional but uh, the rest is history of course but there's one or two things that maybe um your listeners wouldn't know about him. He was he obviously was a very successful um, tournament professional in the UK and across Europe. I think he did play in the Masters on one occasion as well, but he um, was also very successful in the Ryder Cup. Mm-hmm. And, of course, everybody will remember Arnold Palmer. Um, what, what a great, you know, one of the all-time great uh, U.S. golfers. Well, he was at the peak of his powers back in, I think it was 63 in Atlanta, Georgia, when we had the Ryder Cup. The Ryder Cup in those days was played between 
the US and Great Britain and Ireland. It wasn't extended to Europe. So we used to be on the end of a, a good old thrashing every time <laughs> the Ryder Cup came round. I think we only ever won it the once. <laughs> uh, but we used to get generally very well beaten. But Arnold Palmer was at the peak of his powers, and he had that huge following, didn't he, on, on his army. Oh, yeah. And um, Peter Alice, they put Peter Alice up against him in the singles. He was our best player, so and Arnie was your best player. And um, Peter Alice managed to beat him. Um, two and one, I think it was. Um, which was no mean feat in those days. So it gives you an idea of Peter Alice's prowess as a golfer, professional golfer. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and I could spend the rest of the show talking golf with you, I have a feeling. But the one last note I'll say on Peter Alice, um, who, we've, who we've now lost, but uh, his Hall of Fame speech might rank up as one of the first best speeches <laughs> and funniest at the same time. <laughs> The guy had a way uh, with words. Oh, he, he, he really did. He was a great storyteller. Um, yeah, a very personable guy. And uh, I, I did a did a charity event where, where, where sort of a number of celebrities uh, took part. And um, I played him myself at the, the, the Belfry, which mm-hmm. is a Ryder Cup venue in the mm-hmm. UK. And Peter Alex very kindly very, very kindly um, donated his, um, his plan of the, of the Masters in, I think this was back in 2019, 2020. He'd been commentating on the Masters, and it would have been his last commentary. Uh, he very kindly donated the, um, you know, the, uh, the, the plan of the course and signed it off, and we auctioned it wow. to charity. That's the sort of guy he was. Wow. Yeah, that's 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 wild. Uh, one of the, you, I, go ahead. Sorry, just coming back in there. I mean, just um, I'm glad you mentioned the Hall of Fame speech because <laughs> anybody that's into golf <laughs> and wants to be entertained for about 25 minutes or so, you've got to you've got to watch that. I think it's on on YouTube, and uh, yeah, I, I revisit that on occasion. It, it, it's brilliant. It, brilliant is the perfect way to put it because it it had you sentimental and and proud of knowing about his career and then he had the shot he took at the nun growing up is just one for the ages. Anyway, um, one thing I was going to ask you, Jeff, uh, with all the different sports that you were fan of, obviously, but then pursued uh, as an athlete. I'm surprised, I guess, if I don't know if that's the correct word, that the that the opportunity to compete in these different sports was that available for you, or did you have to really go pursue those chances? I was very, very fortunate in that I went to a secondary school um, in London, which, um, much to my pleasure had a number of, um, when we used to do uh, the sporting, the games in the afternoon, once a week, used to have a whole afternoon, and when we used to get in the coach, you would take bus to um, to the games grounds um, some way away. And we were very fortunate because we were coached by professional footballers at both Chelsea and Fulham. 
Mm. Now, bearing in mind, for a young lad who's, who's a Chelsea fanatic, and to this day is still a Chelsea fanatic, imagine being coached as a young kid by your heroes, one, one of your heroes. <laughs> you know, you're in awe of these people. So, so I was in the shop window a little bit as well, so that was quite, quite handy from my point of view. I always wanted to... It was one of my ambitions to play professional football for Chelsea. I did get to, to have a trial there, um, which was very much a one-off game. I, I think you call them tryouts. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, a, tr- a trial match um, in London. I was invited to trial. But to be honest with you, I was like a rabbit caught in the headlights. <laughs> and... Uh, I, di- I didn't play my best game. Uh, I was just sort of, sort of in, in awe of some of my uh, peers at the time, some of the abilities they had. Uh, I was a good player for sure, um, but um, I wasn't quite up to that top top level mm-hmm. that you need to be to make it in professional sport. Um, Jeff Littlefield is our guest today on the front porch, and this is a chance for me to get a break in here, Jeff. Uh, I've got more questions that we're going to get to coming up because uh, it's just fascinating to me being such a a sports fan to think back to when I was the biggest of sports fans and that is when I was young and I think we all if you're a sports fan or whatever you're passionate about those are the times that I I can still name the starting lineup for the 76 Kansas City Royals I don't remember what I had for dinner last night probably but I can remember the numbers of of the different players that I followed, and, and it is when we were young that those memories stand out the most. I'm going to get a break. We'll have more with author Jeff Littlefield on the front porch. Our guest, Jeff Littlefield, is on the front porch with us. And, you know, Jeff, we were just visiting during the break, and I was talking about, you, you mentioned, we talked golf because we're both a bit of a junkie for the game of golf, both the uh, and, and all avenues, playing it as much as we can, watching it as much as we can. It brought to mind something about your memories and your knowledge of the athletes that you grew up watching. I know when I grew up, which would have been, you know, I'm, I'm digging into, really digging into sports in the early 70s. And in you know, high school, I'm in the mid-80s when I'm graduating. So we still had limited opportunities to see these athletes. We lived for the, you know, the weekly uh, updates where they showed highlights. We lived for the the small amount of time they would show the last what nine holes of a golf tournament. We didn't get to see the ins and outs and the the four days of coverage like we do now. And we can watch it just about anywhere. How were you able to consume so much knowledge about these athletes and, in a time when it wasn't that readily available, at least in my mind? Yeah, um, and a lot of it came from obviously reading. Um, Reading any sort of sports reports or you know sport for the sports the back page in a newspaper. I wasn't interested in any other page <laughs> other than the back page. Um, and also we had a, a wonderful television program over here called Grandstand, and they used to broadcast. Actually, they used to broadcast from the states every week the boxing match, the fight of the week. Hmm. I'm talking sort of. Um, mid late sixties now, um, as I was a teenager. And yeah, I got a lot of information from there. And I used to have at Christmas time 
when when I was asked to write to Father Christmas, <laughs> I always put a sports um, annual as one of my um, my Christmas presents, and uh, always look forward to receiving one of those. Uh, and some of which I've kept to this very day. Um, they're a bit battered and bruised now, but um, yeah, I mean, I just yeah, I just absorbed the information. Like I say, I, I very much. Um, uh, like a walking encyclopedia at the time. Um, of course, all that knowledge is gone now. Um, well, it hasn't gone, but I mean, uh, I, I couldn't answer the questions that I could back there, sure. uh, back then. Um, but uh, yeah, I was very fortunate. We had, we had, um, you know, it's pretty. Much, oh, I had pretty much free reign watching the television and getting. Uh, my, my mother was very forgiving. My father was into sports, but she was very forgiving and used to let us watch uh, as much sport as we could. You mentioned uh, the fight of the week and, and getting caught up on boxing and getting into boxing. Uh, Dick Tiger, I know, is, is who you profile. Um, how did he become the guy that that you thought was, was the guy? Yeah, it, it's funny how you adopt these favorites. I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> You know, growing up as a kid, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, you're following this person. It's like they follow people on social media today. I suppose it's a, it's a form of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he's your idol. Uh, yeah, I, w- I watched a few fights um, in the middleweight division, and they, um, because they were so much better than the fights we used to watch over here in the U.K., U.K. fighters were okay, but, you know, they weren't top-notch. So to speak, okay from a European perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was one one young guy that um, was over here. I don't remember seeing him in boxing the UK at all. But he emigrated to the states, or his management took him out to the states. And he was um, originally from uh, Nigeria, which used to be the, the, one of the colonies. Used to be British Nigeria. Anyway, he uh, he emigrated to the states and trying to make his way. Uh, in the boxing world, in the middleweight division. And um, this this one week on Grandstand, I was watching the fight of the week, and it was a middleweight um, world title fight, I, I believe, um, between, let me see now, I think it was between Dick Tiger and Gene Former. And um, Dick Tiger became world middleweight champion. Um, yeah, he was, he was just he was just relentless. He had such a pleasing personality as well. He was he was a true sportsman, uh, and many of the people in my book, covering all the you know various sports from boxing, motor racing, I um, Formula One, Speedway, which um, was heavily influenced um, pre-war by by American riders, mm. cricket. They're all they're all good sports people so they're all good sportsmen so they have a good um ethic uh, which i think is some sometimes uh, sadly lacking these days uh very true and uh, there is a reason you you have not just a passion for a sport but compassion for an athlete uh, especially if you get a chance to kind of know of that personality and uh, you do latch on to to certain people as you're growing up. You mentioned, uh, since we're talking boxing, I had one thought just to, to throw out there. I know when I was growing up, boxing was still a, a big thing. And I know there's there's big fights, and it, it still 
draws, it just doesn't seem to have the uh, overall interest that it used to. I certainly don't pay much attention to boxing, to be real honest. When I was a kid, we always watched the fight of the week. Have any thought on why that might be? I tend to agree. I think it's lost its gloss and glamour a bit. Yeah. I think um, I think people just see the 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 butts, the dollars, you know, the pound signs now. Uh-huh. And I think I think the boxing public, yeah, whilst it's still popular, um, yeah, I don't think from a from a TV spectacular, it it, it is what it was. Um, yeah, back in the day, I mean, because there were so many. You know, poor poor devils that that got um, screwed over. Excuse my language by <laughs> by their management and promote right. promoters back in the day. Um, you know, you've only got to look at Joe Lewis and and people like that that became you know came out of the business penniless, um, having earned millions and millions for the promoters and management. Um, uh, and yet you've got what. what you know, I don't want to sort of denigrate any particular personalities, but if you look at the heavyweight division, which is meant to be the pinnacle mm-hmm. of boxing, if you look at the, the heavyweight division now, world heavyweight um, division, well, it's laughable, really. <laughs> I mean, they, 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 it, in my opinion, they wouldn't last five minutes for some of the all-time greats. Yeah, that's those are two really... Terrific points on the the uh, the dollar signs, the troubles those boxers had, and <laughs> and that they are laughable at that uh, pinnacle of the sport. Yeah, great point. You mentioned uh, Formula One. That's something that, on the other hand, has grown intensely in interest due to the Netflix series. I run into people just constantly who have become Formula One race fans. And it uh, was going in inside and behind the ropes and getting to know the drivers, kind of like you talked about, getting to know their personalities. It's really become bigger and bigger, it seems like. Oh, very much so, yeah. I think it's a world phenomenon now. Um, I know it has some competition in America, but, um, yeah, certainly the World Championship, which um, I think goes back to sort of late 40s, um, yeah, it first kicked off. Had uh, Juan Fangio, the the, the famous uh, South American driver that won mm-hmm. it numerous occasions, and you had a you had a driver over here. I mean, what a what a wonderful name for a motor racing driver back in the fifties and sixties. His name was Sterling Moss. <laughs> um, I mean, you can't get a much better name than that. Uh, for a racing driver, but I, I um, identify my particular favourite in in the book last night when I was young is um, is somebody that actually um, is a guy called Mike Hawthorne. He was Britain's first world Formula One champion, hmm. and um, ironically, um, we we moved house about seven or eight years ago, uh, and. Um, he was actually based in the very area that we moved we moved to. Yeah, it's it's uh, it has become such interest, and again, a, a, a local connection gave you the reason to kind of latch onto to Mike Hawthorne. Um, you mentioned cricket briefly, and and I know you played. I went to college with a um, a guy from London. And he watched it all the time, and I, I I got interested in it. And at the time, 
I don't watch it much now, to be honest. It's, it's not really readily available everywhere. But at the time, it was a, a fascinating sport to me. I'm a huge baseball fan and grew up playing the game. Um, and I know it's it's not the same by any means, but there's there's enough similarities that had my interest. What was your draw to, to cricket? It, it was a natural progression, really. What used to happen here when when I was growing up, you used to play football in the winter and cricket in the summer. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, both sports are sort of all year round, right? Because they're glo- they're global, so you don't have that sort of partition now but yeah so it was natural to me my father played I used to go and watch my father play I remember you know with my mother my mother used to make what the what they called a cricket tease for when they for the interval um I used to watch my father play he used to encourage me in the garden you know set up some stumps with a bat gave me a bat or I had a bat uh, for a birthday present and then I went on from there I used to play at school but I do, I do mention in my book as well, and um, th- this may be of interest to any potential readers, that I do go into quite, quite a bit of depth about how lacking in confidence I was uh, as a young boy right. growing up. You know, I mean, I suppose it touches on mental health issues, if you like, but I was extremely shy um, I wouldn't have been able to do a program like this, not that I was old enough to do it, but I certainly wouldn't have had the confidence to come on and and speak publicly or in any way, shape or form. But I think sport can bring that out. Um, It's an honourable pursuit. But, yeah, I, I got to playing cricket at school, generally speaking. It is an avenue to confidence and... As a team, there's that interaction that a young person may not have instilled in them until they become a part of sports. It's a, it's a terrific point, Jeff. Um, we're going to get a break in here. I want to come back, and, and I, I wanted to save uh, football toward the end because I know that is a true passion. So we're going to touch on that and the other sports that, are, that we look at in the book. It's called Last Night When I Was Young, Sporting Favorites of Mine, another bestseller from Jeff Littlefield on the On the front porch, we have Jeff Littlefield with us, uh, the author, producer, director, sports fan, golf nut. Uh, no wonder I enjoy having a chance to visit with you, Jeff, and it is great to have you back on uh, the show again on the front porch. Um, talking about the new book that is out, it's uh, Last Night When I Was Young, already a, a new bestseller for Jeff. Um, and I know that uh, there's so many sports. You, you, we've mentioned, I think, most of them. We haven't got into um, racehorsing real deep, although you talked some about that, uh, talking about um, uh, the sprinters and, and runners uh, as well. But I know that Chelsea is truly a passion in football. Uh, talk about your guy there and, and, um, and, and your love for that game and, and for that team still today. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it goes back. I think I was 11 years of age when I attended my first match, which was which was an evening game. <laughs> and and all sports fans will relate to this. When you go to an evening game and you've got the wonderful floodlights and they come on, it, it, it's just something different about an evening match to, to a match during the day. And, um, yeah, I was just a gog, really, um, to watch my team very the very first very first match, um, 
which I might add Chelsea lost. So um, <laughs> it's not as if I was a fair-weather supporter. I've stuck with them ever since. There's been a lot of thick and thin. There's been more thick in, in recent years, but there were a lot of thin times where they didn't win a trophy or anything. Didn't do particularly well. But you stick with your team anyway. You support them. But, yeah, I mean, obviously going to school, as I mentioned before, and having some of my heroes who were, you know, playing in, in, in front of me every Saturday and watching them play and then being coached by some of them, mm, yeah. um, that, that, was, that was marvellous as well. I was able also to do a magazine article where I was invited to ground to interview one of the players and I was shown around the stadium. Um, yeah, I was just, just in, in awe of it all. But, yeah, I've been supporting them all these years. I, I cover quite a, quite a hefty part of the book um, in two parts, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the whole history of Chelsea Football Club. That would be, that would probably need about two or three books. But it's <laughs> just a snapshot of, of the time, which was very impressionable on me um, in, in the mid early uh, mid-60s and, and watching many of the games then. Um, uh, and the first time that Chelsea were playing European football as well, which was which was very exciting. Yeah, and for, for non-soccer fans, uh, I know that it's called football in your homeland and, and we call it soccer, but for non-soccer fans, this again is a, an opportunity to read about something that could pique your interest and it is growing in the states, and I mean in a big, big way. I'm stating the obvious, but this is a, a chance to kind of get some of the history, some of the ideas of, of what you know teams go through because uh, uh, they do go through thick and thin. And I can respect completely Jeff uh, staying with your team, the Kansas City Chiefs, and what is our football. Uh, I've loved since you know I could knew what a football was, and uh, it took a. They had won the Super Bowl when I was not of age to know what was going on they finally did it three years ago but we stuck with them through thick and thin so i I get where you're coming from on on your passion for chelsea still to this day um jeff i want to switch gears just a little bit again we'll talk about the book to finish where you can get it but it's last night when i was young sporting favorites of mine it's really really cool stuff but i know that uh, we talked with jeff moore last week as we mentioned earlier you guys are in cahoots right now on a couple of different projects, which is really, really exciting. Can you can you share some of what's going on? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I'll be brief on that. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Jeff's Jeff Moore's book, The Quiet Houses, Fallen and Arts, is doing extremely well, and um, we are talking to some co-producers regarding. Uh, the filming of that, there is interest, uh, and funny enough, there's interest at you know quite high profile level. Um, <laughs> I could name drop. I suppose I should really. It could be of interest. Um, but we have been talking to Kevin Cosner and his people. Wow. Uh, there, there was there was interest there. Um, it's cooled a little, but um, now that the book's out, um, that's really given it some impetus. And there's there's much more interest, I think, um, forthcoming on. So that's something that's in development. But there's also another um, collaboration with Jeff that we're working on. It's just we're just starting to develop that, and it's 
it's um, it's concerning personal again the personal experience of Jeff in his role as a DEA agent, hmm. special agent, and it, it's um, based on a true story um, coming out of of Detroit, uh, Michigan, and it's really effectively, I guess, um, the real life prequel to the Mule. Hmm. So if you if you want to rewind three years before um, the oldest drug mule in, in living memory, who was played by Clint Eastwood, obviously, Leo Sharp, um, it's the lead-up to that. How did Leo Sharp become involved with that drug cartel? But, but we're very fortunate because we, we have unfettered sort of access yeah. So what went on? I mean, obviously Jeff was part of it in his role as a special agent, but we also have um, the other side of the coin, if you like. Hmm. Uh, and it's going to, you know, obviously it's based on true events, and it will be uh, as close to those true events. Very dramatic story, very interesting story. Um, yeah, good. It will be a good miniseries, I believe. And we've got interest in that already, and we haven't even really started the screenwriting. Wow. Yeah, that is extremely interesting and exciting at the same time to go back and uh, those, you know, to learn the backstory of, of a story we now know fairly well from that movie, The Mule. And I will say this, Jeff. I told uh, Jeff Moore this last week, uh, Jeff Littlefield, our guest today. Uh, I told Jeff Moore last week that I, as I read the Quieter Houses, The Fall of the Narcs, um, it it read like a movie to me. The the characters just popped. I mean, Tammy, the his in, informant that was so colorful, and, and uh, it just, I, I said, I told him as I was reading, my hands would clam up when they would go up to a new house because you didn't know what was waiting on the other side of the door. So it seems to lend itself to being that type of book that would just fit on the big screen. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you, you, you say that. Yeah, I mean, you can visualize the character Tammy Mack, can't you? <laughs> yeah, you can visualize sure. her on, on screen. I know exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah very much so. It, it does lend itself to the big screen. There's no doubt about that. So hopefully, you know, you never know. He might be listening. Let's, let's hope Kevin Cosner follows up with his interest. Yeah, let's let's get this done. That's uh, uh, Kevin, let's go. Come on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Jeff, as always, it's a, it's a treasure to get a chance to visit with you. I appreciate you coming back and, and joining us again, talking about this new book. I will say to our listeners, um, the Nelson Riddle story, uh, do not miss out on it. Music with a heartbeat. It's a ter terrific story about uh, the, the era of the American songbook and the connections that you have, Jeff, and the uh, pursuit you had of getting that story out there is is fascinating. Good luck with that getting to uh, whether it's a miniseries or a documentary, but uh, I just think it's 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 terrific stuff. And as a sports fanatic, um, the new book uh, that is doing so well also last night when I was young, sporting favorites of mine. I know that typically people know where to get their books, but is, is there a particular place you would direct our listeners if they want to purchase this book? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's the obvious, which is Amazon. I mean, which is, you know, international. So no matter where you're based, um, you, you can certainly get it there. 
uh, Barnes and Noble is another online retailer that's pretty high profile. But but it's uh, it, it's widely available. Yeah, I mean if you, if you go online and you punch that in, last night when I was young, sporting favourites of mine, um, it certainly pop up uh, with a low location or a store whereby you can purchase it. Yeah, and it's an easy read uh, for those guys and gals listening, um, and, and you can go through it. I went through it pretty quickly because, as I mentioned. I'm a I'm a fan of sports just in general, but you could also break that up and and uh, you know knock one sport out and then come and revisit another sport through the eyes of Jeff Littlefield as he was growing up uh, last night when he was young, as the the book alludes. And also we are getting close enough. I know we're not through Halloween yet, but Christmas is not far off, and this would be a terrific book for any sports fan for Christmas. Uh, Jeff, as always. Really do appreciate your time and uh, keep up your energy and hard work and successes and good luck on the future ventures uh, of maybe seeing something on the big screen before long. Uh, not at all, Rocky. Thanks once again for having me on the program. It's been a real pleasure and uh, we're certainly keeping in touch and keep you posted. Cannot wait to hear more. Jeff Littlefield is our guest on the front porch.